Welcome to Every Block Rising. This podcast is dedicated to the realization that our world was imagined by someone and that we can imagine and build something much, much better for all of us. Let's imagine and create together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Every Block Rising, brought to you by Florida Rising, where we build independent political power that centers historically marginalized communities so everyday Floridians shape the future. My name is Marjorie Boster Phoenix, and I am a member of Florida Rising and your host for today's episode. I'd like to introduce you all to Rodney Wells. Welcome to Every Block Rising, Rodney. Thank you. So thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you. Um, definitely want to hear a little bit about who you are and the work that you're doing. So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and tell us about what block you're from and, you know, what is it that concerns you most about your block right now? Sure. So uh, my name is Rodney. I'm a, a second year political science student at Florida State. I'm originally from Jacksonville. Anyone who knows me, I love my, I love Duval. I am the grandson of a civil rights activist from Jacksonville. And so uh, I'm also in a fifth generation uh, Jacksonville native. And so Jacksonville has always had a very uh, special place in my heart. And so kind of talking about my block a little bit, I, I think what's interesting about Jacksonville is it's like so many other cities in the South, right? Um, that still live in this legacy of, of Jim Crow at times um, and, and still feels that impact. Um, and, and it's kind of underlying um, is it, we see it in our in our our, our local legislators, our city councils, our city commissions, um, and it's felt in those and it's felt in those almost abandoned and forgotten neighborhoods. And so for me, that's where my family's from. I'm really from the east side of J- Jacksonville, and it's not the place it was 60 years ago. And as time progresses, what you see is it gets left behind, and then what you do is well, why try to bring it back when well, we can start again? And so, they, so then you start redeveloping that community. And so the people that have lived there and called that place that we call our friends, our neighbors, they're now displaced. And so that's my city. I love it. I think it's one of those things where though there's so much work to be done, there's so much work to be done. I think that's why I love it. So that is so cool. And Jacksonville is a, a beautiful city. We, I think sometimes we forget that is the South. Um, <laughs> it definitely is. And but there has been a lot of development going on in Jacksonville. But I know, you know, I've been interviewing quite a few um, folks from that area who are doing some really amazing work. So you must have, you know, being raised there, gone to school there. You've seen some things transpire. You've seen the changes. Right. So. What was it that you really saw that really was sort of maybe a light bulb moment for you that says, okay, there's something going on here in my community and I, um, I want to pay attention to this and, or I want to watch this and, 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 and see what I can do about it. I, I think it kind of points to high school and it was less of something going on and something that, that was there, right? I, 2018, I think, was a impactful year, especially for my generation, Generation Z. You know, you remember the Florida gubernatorial elections. We had the Parkland shooting. It was a it was a monumental year. 
And so for me, I saw students like myself who want who, who had a who had a voice, who knew they had a voice and was looking for an outlet to use it. And so from there, um, I started an organization called Young Leadership Today. And what we hope to do is we hope to empower high school students like us to be civically and politically engaged because we were the next vote. We are the next vote voting block. We are now voters. So if we could start in high school, the impact would be lifelong, not just for individuals, but for their communities. So you were saying, and so I guess you were also seeing a need for that. So how how responsive was, you know, the youth in your community about an organization like this? I think it was a struggle getting getting our message there. But once it touched individuals who know that who knew that they had an issue, that, that there was something that kind of that kind of you know kicked at them a little bit. You know what I mean? That that made them upset, and they knew that they could they could they had a collective voice. Mm-hmm. It, it only it was like a domino effect, um, and so it started out with us holding holding community conversations, right? And I, I think that's been a, a big thing. Like I said, my grandmother was a civil rights activist, and so I was always taught you can change a life by a conversation. And so it was us having community conversations about things, whether it was gun violence, school to prison pipeline, mental health, and us saying, "Here's our perspective, and here are some 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 innovative solutions." Right. With, with a new perspective in, um, in the conversation. I, I love that. I think that we've been hearing um, you hear people say that, that this um, the younger generation, not so much even the millennials. Well, maybe you can include the millennials, but but those in the generation Z years and wires and whatever you want to call them um, like they're not engaged. They're not paying attention. They're not voting. And. You know, you and some of the other young people that I have spoken to from your community, from your block, are saying that's not the case. We are definitely paying attention. We're young. We're black. We see what's happening in our communities and we actually want to be a part of it. But I think that you guys might be moving in that space differently from how people may have thought. You should be doing that. And, and I want to talk a little bit more about the, this, the youth and their political engagement right now, because specifically, I think following, of course, George, George Floyd, um, Breonna Taylor, the, the killings of, of both of them, Ahmaud Arbery, we noticed that there was this uptick in protesting and student-led activism, right? And some are saying now, just like you mentioned before, that we are in this era of this new Jim Crow. But the way you protest in 2022 is not the same way you might protest, might have protested in, in 1968, right? It may not look the same. And I think that the, also with the younger generation, you guys are battling not just the civil rights, but racial and social injustice, gender equality, climate change, you know, reproductive rights. How do how is political and social activism happening now? Is it similar to or different from how that happened back in the 60s? Well, so I'll, I'll start by saying this, and I, and I really appreciate you kind of uh, pointing it out. It's that making it very clear, the civil rights movement is not over. Right. It's not something that ended back in the 1960s. And, you know, we're now in this new age of equality. It's, it's, it's an internal fight. It's the eternal fight that, that we're now asked to pick up. And so I think 
that said, although it's the same fight as a new generation, man, we are in a completely different world. Our, our, our access to, the, to technology, our access to the internet, those are now new strategies. I think one thing um, I've always appreciated about, about my mentors, especially those who were, who were student activists in the civil rights movement in the 60s is, it was, you still had to have strategy and tackle anything you did, right? You, you don't just, you didn't just post, you, you don't just do one action thing that was gonna find a solution. Everything had an intention, everything was intentional because it's a fight. It's, it's, it's not, it's not a, a, a one action thing and then we move on and we say we've done it. It's not a, we, we ask, we are offered a temporary solution and we say, well, we've done something, so let's move on to the next battle. It's something where we have to really be strategic about what we're doing. And I think, I think you're starting to see students working to register other students in, in the college campuses. That's, that, that, that's it. You, it's them working with their institutions to create habitual voters. Because once you get an 18 year old who will vote in every single election, that's scary. That is scary for people. And so using that strategy, I think that's how, I think that's how we're coming into how we take on this battle. Yeah, 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 definitely. I, I was thinking about that, you know, right now, seniors in high school who are turning 18, you know, they turned 18 before this election. Now this is their opportunity to have a voice, right? This is their opportunity to be civically engaged. And I think one of the other things, too, is that they're counting on the younger generation not to be engaged in this. They're counting on them not to vote. And you hear a lot of people say that, well, the, the, the voter turnout for that, that group, that age group can sometimes be, it's low, right? They've already seen it. Actually, they've been talking about it. They said for early voting, it looks like for the, this younger generation, it, it's, it's typically lower. But I wonder too, if it has to do with the messaging, speaking to them, like, what do you think it is that your generation wants to hear? Do they even need to hear something specific from political leaders to galvanize them, to mobilize them? What, what, what do you think that is? Do they need to hear something or is this something that they just should really take up on their own to say, listen, this is what I have to do for me and my community? I think, first of all, it's, it's never just that one individual's job. And I think that's the point of organizing. I think that's why I, I appreciate every opportunity I've been able to have with Florida Rising because like at, at the core of it, grassroots is you empowering someone else, right? And so I think all that said, all that said, I think when we're talking about what's going to energize someone to vote, it's going to boil down two things, either passion or anger. And if passion isn't working, you need to make somebody upset. Because I'm, I'm upset. The reason I'm going to the polls is because I am angry. We have a governor who has an issue with black and brown communities. And, and we, can't, we can't do nothing. We can't just sit and say, I hope, I hope it changes. I hope in you know, this election he's going to get out. We have to do the work to retire. Him. So that's we have to get people upset. Yeah, you're, you're right. I think, yeah, it's twofold, right? It's like you're thinking that the political leaders or the candidates, so to speak, should be saying something to get someone to vote for them. But I think at the end of the day, we could look around and we can see those things that are um, oppressive to us, are marginalizing 
us and other groups. And that's enough right there to either make us angry or, you know, get us excited about, you know, doing something about it. Right. So, yeah. So that's that's just how, you know, it all falls in line. So I know that um, you've been doing a lot of work. I you know, when I had a chance to talk to you, you know, I know about your nonprofit organization and, you know, you've been in this work for a while and it's in your blood. It's, you know, from your family. But um, tell us a little bit more about some of the other work that you've been doing. I know you've worked with the um, Congressional Black Caucus. You've been um, an NAACP National Fellow. You've even met Kamala Harris. I mean, (laughs) tell us about those experiences and how all of this has really shaped how you're going to be moving forward, you know, in the future. Sure. I I think it boils down to the work I the. The world I want to see, it is going to take a lot of work. And if I can do anything, I I hope to put my energy into how do we how do we change the the antiquated institutions that have not served and will not serve our vulnerable communities. And I think that starts with policy. And so when I came to Florida State, I had an opportunity to work in a state legislator. 2021 was a or 2022 was a very interesting year. Um, especially because the state went through redistricting. And so I think that was that that aha moment, that there's a bigger issue. And, and so you remember our governor, for the first time in history, he presented, map, he presented maps and bypassed the power of the legislator, both state, the state and federal level, that cut, that packed and cracked black and brown communities. And it went unnoticed. And because the way our state legislature was set up, there was no there was no clear way to 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 fight those maps. And so I said, OK, I just take a step back because then it was it was redistricting. It was don't say gay. It was it was trying to talk about what what we could teach in schools when it came to history all in one session. And the entire time, there is nothing you can really do. That's enough to make you angry. But you understood that. So you you saw and understand the layers and how policy is put into place, all of the different ways that this governor chose to govern, right? That people, most of us who aren't engaged in that way, who don't understand or have this knowledge, we might hear these things, but we truly don't understand the long-term effects of how, you know, how that affects us. So, and, and as I'm hearing you speak, I am now witnessing future leadership in this state. I know there is, <laughs> you are looking to somehow have a, a, a career in politics, am I correct? I would say more, more the law and advocacy side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they always say until they're like, I'm running. <laughs> that, that, but I feel like, but someone like you, especially at your age, not just because you've come from a family of it, but because you have the understanding and the knowledge of it, you have the passion you know, you have the, the anger, you have all of those different ingredients that 
we we need right now in our communities to have people, you know, fighting for us and 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 sharing that information and that knowledge with us. That is so important. Yeah. So as we're coming into the the election, this is right around the corner, these midterms. How are you feeling about what you're seeing and hearing? I'm hopeful. And I, and I say that because I'm looking at all the other students who are trying to work in their on their blocks to yes. make sure part to, to to again see the future that they want. Yeah. And so I'm I'm excited every time. I, I love the phone bank. And so anytime I get to call someone and say, well, I've, I've already cast my ballot. I've already sent my mail in. It's, I know we're one step closer. And yeah. I know as long as we continue to do the good work and, and continue the good fight, we're going to get there. I, yeah. have, I, I have no uh, doubt about it. So, you, so you're seeing that the younger generation, they are definitely, you know, getting involved with this process and okay. That's great. That's great. That's wonderful. So what call to action would you give for someone that's listening right now? They're on the they're on the fence or they're like, I don't really vote. Um, You know, they don't feel like their their vote counts or they're just confused about, you know, how to go about this. I I, what I find was a lot of people, they want to be involved but they don't know how, like where they fit in. And I always recommend, you know, starting with Florida Rising, right? Because I'm like, you can always find, listen, they're going to they're gonna teach you, give you the knowledge, the, all the information you need and empower you to go out there and do and, and find your space. But what would you say to someone right now who is um, just not sure about being civically engaged and about voting? I'll say this. If you don't believe your vote matters, just look at what they're trying to take it away. If you don't believe you have any power, then why is everyone from your local, your state and your federal government trying to dis- diminish your right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that should yeah. say enough. Yeah. And you know what? And I, I, I want you to do this too, Rodney. Like, what would you say right now that people need to, to understand the younger generation should understand about what's at stake here, especially in this next, you know, this next midterm. Uh, everyone keeps saying how critical this particular election is, right? Um, so what would you say for them, like what's at stake for them that they may not understand or see? I think the biggest thing is we have an opportunity to change how our state is run. Yes. We look at, we, we, we see the issues and what's going on nationally. Yes. We, the Supreme Court rulings. We are seeing just frightening bills being passed nationally. Yes. We could change the tide based on who's in our state legislator, who's in the governor's mansion. Yes. That's, and that's our opportunity right now. That in, in, in just a few days, that's what we have an opportunity to do. Yes. Right in our right in our backyards. This is this is the fight right here that they really need to be involved in. And I think mostly about what's happening in our schools, too. You know, the school board candidates that are up that people never really paid attention to before. But these people are in there and they're literally trying to take black history out of the schools. They're literally trying to to ban books by black authors 
you know, so that, and that's when I know that that takes for people to really research those people. You got to take time because it's supposed to be a nonpartisan um, position. So there's no R or D by them. So that's going to take a little bit of effort. But I feel like that is is one of the, the most important local and state ones that we should really be paying attention to. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, wow, this is great. I am so happy to have you on and to really speak to um, our young people today. And I love the work that you're doing. And we'll be watching you, Rodney, because we know <laughs> that there are big things ahead for you. And of course, the Florida Rising family and everyone, we will be here to support you in whatever that is. So thank you so much for your time and coming on and, and sharing this valuable information with us. Thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Good. Good. Well, we'll hope to have you back soon. So, and we want to thank you all for joining us again for another episode of Every Block Rising. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We appreciate you. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like the show and would like to support us, make sure to go to floridarising.org and become a member. Until next time.